Hello, hello, hello. Hum hai aurate dil se desi, a podcast for brown women by brown women. I'm your host, Geet, and with me is your co-host, Amna. And we have a special guest today, Jahaara Chuktai. You can find her on Instagram at Pakistani Therapist. I've been following her for quite some time now, and I find her words wise, inspirational, and oftentimes uplifting. I hope you will find her to be the same. Today, in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, and in response to the overwhelming request from our listeners, we will be starting a special mini-series on mental health. We will be inviting different guests from different backgrounds to share their ex- expertise. We encourage you to please submit your questions for the experts on our Instagram page or website directly. Our Instagram page is at 3-A-U-R-A-T-E-N and our website is www.auraten.com. And now on to our episode. Hi, everyone. Whoever is listening, my name is Jahana Chosai. I am a psychotherapist. Uh, in Lahore, Pakistan. I did my master's in mental health counseling from the University of Rochester, New York. So I went on the Fulbright in uh, 2019. And over there, a majority of my work where I interned and I worked was at a domestic violence shelter by the name of Willow uh, in in the Rochester area. So I had a lot of initial training on trauma-informed care and a majority of my clients were people who were coming in from domestically violent homes. Uh, so we had a shelter and then there was a counseling center there and I worked at the counseling center. Um, at school, I was training a lot into emotion-focused work. I took a lot of courses on it. I had supervision on it. Uh, so an area of interest of mine. And at Willow, we were using more strength-based trauma-informed work. So I've had a, a mixture of different kinds of trainings. Um, so I worked with different kinds of populations in the US. Uh, so black women, Muslim women, uh, Hispanic women, white women, all different kinds of uh, people who were coming from uh, domestic violence backgrounds. And in Pakistan, I worked with a lot of people who have uh, very difficult and deep rooted trauma histories. I've worked with people who've been gang raped, uh, childhood rape, sexual assault, domestic violence, things of the sort. Uh, so uh, it's mostly an area that has become my niche over time. Uh, so, yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay, can you tell us a little bit about what is trauma-informed therapy? I love this question, so I'm going to try to make it within the, this podcast time limit. So I think trauma-informed <laughs> therapy is um, someone who has a good understanding of what it means to have trauma, what it, uh, trauma, being trauma-informed means understanding that all of us have trauma histories. Being trauma-informed means understanding that one in three people, they have a deep trauma history. So something that the listeners might not be aware of is uh, if you're really interested in trauma and how this works, you can Google ACEs. So people don't know what the ACEs for is. So it's Adverse Childhood Experiences Scale. That's ACEs, that's A-C-E-S. So a lot of high ACEs scores are found in the population and we don't pay them as much attention as as is perhaps needed. Being trauma-informed means understanding the choices of survivors. Um, I think last night I I started watching the season on Netflix called Made, which is about domestic violence. And I was bawling watching it as a domestic violence counselor. Uh, And I reached out to my supervisor. I was like, Morgan, have you seen it? And she was like, Girl, that is the reason I'm not watching it yet because I was bawling watching it as well. Um, 
you watched it? Yeah, I watched it. It was horrible and heart wrenching. And so yes. many drama. And I think as a counselor. Oh yes. Uh, so I haven't finished it yet, but it's just more like understanding the choices of survivors, like people going back or not leaving. I think there's so much stigma on, you know, Ocha, you know your partner's abusive, so why are you staying? How stupid of you. And I'm like, they're not understanding this whole context of, you know, what's happening for the survivor there, because we're just looking at it from the surface level, the surface of the ocean. There's many layers that the ocean has underneath. Um, so just paying attention to those. So uh, I think someone who's trauma-informed understands survivor's choices is not victim-blaming. Um, I have heard and worked with practitioners and my clients tell me about practitioners who have mentioned, well, you know, if your family member was, um, and also trigger warning, if you do find yourself feeling triggered, please kind of zone out, your feel, feel free to pause and come back to the podcast whenever you'd like to. Um, someone's family member was consistently raping them for a, a, a bunch of years. And then when they went to this therapist, I remember that my client was talking about the therapist was like, well, you never said no. How were they supposed to know you weren't liking it? Wow. And um, I mean, there are things like these that you hear, which is not trauma informed. And I think I will also kind of preface this. And I, I do want to mention that from what counselors understand, they're always trying to come from a place of, I want to help my client. But if the counselor has never been trained in trauma, doesn't have exposure enough, even if they're coming from a place of good intention, they can cause uh, a lot of deep-rooted harm. Because when this client came to me, I couldn't see that they'd been going to therapy for two They were very dysregulated and very re-traumatized. And based on what they were telling me about their previous practitioner, I could understand why as well. Um, so I think being trauma-informed is a lot about understanding choices, understanding... Uh, I think uh, the narrative is very popular on how we speak about trauma is stored in the body so understanding that sort of body awareness and i work with uh, clients with a lot um, you know focusing on the body as well that's being trauma informed right but i think if you're if you're going out and you're getting uh, any kind of mental health support in pakistan or another country you want to make sure you can ask your practitioner you know how do you view trauma what is your definition of it you know what are your ideas of it and that is your right as a counselor to ask them. When I speak about these things with people here, they're like, oh, rude to nahi lagega. Ke hum question kar rahe hai, unki qualification. I'm like, this is not rude at all. This is your right. And not like in a more like, you know, rude way, but just like, it's your right. You can absolutely ask them. Like, you know, what's your training? Because um, Deep, even being trauma-informed is going to be very different for different practitioners. Right. So for me, trauma ki ye definition hai, this is the lens or this is the training that I've had where I see this. For other people, it can be very different. And this doesn't mean that one is less or more effective than the other. But it's important to see if your trauma definitions are something that match with your mental health practitioner. Hmm. So if, is it is it safe for me to say that um, trauma-informed care would be some kind of... Uh, um, the way that you approach therapy with the patient is to kind of avoid them reliving those past traumas. Is that safe to say? So that, or challenge? Uh, in one way, yes. So in one way, yes. But then I also practice something called EMDR therapy, which can be pretty re-traumatizing because you're actually bringing up the traumatic memories and you're like, let's process it, let's go with it. Um, 
but it's about without good reason like there has to be a reason why we're having someone recall uh, their trauma or there's a lot of uh, trauma therapy mein hum kehte hain pendulation pendulation like hum jayenge trauma pe hum wapas aa jayenge phir hum jayenge phir hum wapas aa jayenge so we're we're kind of building your body's capacity to take it in right i'm not just going to be like abhi isi cheez mein sare 60 minutes mein batao kya hua tha Hmm. Even with जो हमें सिखाई जाती थी इनटेक्स जब हम करते हैं ठीक है इनटेक्स में वी आर टॉट के वी कर मैनेज द इनटेक इन अवे दट हैस क्वेश्चन इज अनकम्फर्टेबल एंड इफ यू डोंट फील लाइक आंसरिंग दिस क्वेश्चन यू लेट मी नो आई नॉट आस्क इट इनटेक यहाँ पे मुझे बताए अबू के साथ क्या हुआ था फैनिक my god you could really retraumatize and this regulate someone by consist or intake hoti bhi actually bahut uh, difficult cheez hai for any kind of person trauma history no trauma history because you're like like tell me about your life in like 30 minutes yeah <laughs> you know so it's very very difficult and it's uh, i do consultation calls with clients so they're kind of shorter where i try to get an understanding and trauma informed care is i always preface it if at some point there is a point that you don't want to mention to me or you don't feel comfortable mentioning don't mention it we'll come back to it later no worries you know mm-hmm. uh, or things like uh, let's have a stop sign you know if i mention something or if i say something that is difficult just tell me you know jahan let's just stop ya wapas aa jate hain let's talk about something or you notice yourself i have a lot of people with dissociation so if you notice yourself dissociating or speaking about something where you notice ka mind a piche ja raha hai things are getting blurry just give me this this is like a stop sign or they tell me somehow ki abhi let's come back that's trauma informed care that's understanding where your clients coming from uh, that's giving them lots of space to have autonomy one of the biggest thing that trauma takes away from you just may hum responsibility safety and control we have to work with three of these themes when we're looking at someone who has been snatched of autonomy responsibility control safety all of these things when i ask the client i have people who come in and i'm like is the lighting okay for you you know how do you want the light do you want me to turn off a lamp switch on a lamp what do you want and they're like you know what actually this lighting's nice but i want to turn that lamp on okay sure then i kind of ask them because i i like to work a lot with here and now and body recognition how do you know you like that lamp sensation they're like oh i don't know it felt good i'm like how do you know it felt good so that's how like i could really get into the therapy but it's more about like offering this is a space where you're allowed to take space and you're allowed to have opinions and you're allowed to feel safe right and that can be a wild experience for someone who is in relationships ya phir jisko relationally aadat nahi hai to take up space is like more like you know um, i guess aap mujhe bataye ha aap therapist aap bataye ye main i don't know this is going in too many tangents and my mind is opening too many routes now everything that you said just brings us to a really great question which was my next question what is your philosophy to therapy jahan is going to be like oh here we go with other tangents now <laughs> <laughs> No, I love this. I love this question and I hate it at the same time because I feel like it's constantly evolving, I think. Yeah. Um my philosophy of working with clients is I like to use a lot of relational stuff. I like to notice how the client is making me feel. I like to notice what dynamics are existing between me and the client because those are dynamics that they are practicing outside the session. In the session, they're apologizing to me. I have people who come in and then they start crying. Ki mujhe deer hogi, late hogi. That's a big psychodynamic thing to explore. Why they started crying coming in the session and they were late. What happens when you mess up? What has happened in the past if you've messed up? You know, what is your relationship with criticism? Right? What is your relationship with apologizing? Up to now, jaldi mujhe sorry kya dete ho? You know, so that's a whole relational lens. So my 
my view of working with uh, trauma clients or working with people who are domestic violence survivors is I like to pick up on what is left over of your trauma that is now coming up between my relationship and your relationship. What is manifesting here that I can see manifested in the past or grew in the past as well. So what is between us is something that is a ghost of the past that is existing between us. So I like to kind of notice that ghost and be protective of it and you know honor it in some ways. Trauma is stored in the body. I'm a big believer in that. There's a lot of research. Bessel van der Kork's work is very important for people who are listening. Um, if you want to read a book, The Body Keeps the Score. It's a very good, easy to read. I've not read it. I've read it. <laughs> book that... The Body Keeps the what? <laughs> the body, body Keeps the Score. Yeah, it's an awesome book. Uh, and my uh, niece is doing um, master's in social work wants to be a therapist and she told me she saw the book and she was like we read it in our course <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so one it's really a wonderful book because it explains how our definitions of trauma have changed so much over time like people did bodies word use where we say oh re-traumatization um they actually did body scans of people who were made to recall their trauma and the brain was activating those parts that were actually activated during the trauma. So it was literally like the body was re-experiencing the traumatic event, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, trauma stored in the body, I like to work with people understanding that this is someone who has um, a misplaced perhaps responsibility, has not had a lot of autonomy. Um, trauma changes your worldview. Uh, grief changes your worldview. So I'm, I'm working with people understanding that something has happened that has changed your worldview. My working and understanding of trauma is also, I think, for people listening, like it's not just rape and sexual assault and accident and thappard and marpeet. Mm. Uh, trauma is also childhood neglect. Trauma is also being misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a next question, though, because a lot of our listeners will be like, well, yeah, that's for domestic violence and for rape and all these things. And we get it. But another article that I had read, and I'm, I'm sorry, I cannot remember it, but I will link it to the blog because I'll find it. And there was an article about ACEs that I had read, and a lot of ACEs don't actually have to do with domestic violence and rape and all that. Like childhood neglect, like manipulation, like, you know, a lot of the stuff that... Um, Unavailable um, parents, huh. narcissists, narcissists, parents. Oh, yeah. These things are like inherent in parenting. Right. Like this is the way that they parent is to be narcissistic. The way that they parent is to manipulate. It's like what they live for. So Yokes. <laughs> Sorry. You're absolutely right. Oh. No, no, no. You're absolutely you're spot on. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut so, you off. So Matlab, a lot of the questions that we've had um asked, I have, you know, about twenty-five or thirty people that engaged with me when I was figuring out like doing the market research on the podcast and yeah. they engaged with me and they said all of them brought up how to communicate with Desi parents in an effective way and obviously when you're dealing with therapy in America one of the unfortunate parts of dealing with therapy in America is that you tend to have cultural barriers which Amna and I have discussed and I think I discussed with you as well Jahara separately okay um American therapy focuses on well draw boundaries draw boundaries and that's a lovely thing to say to to, <laughs> to brown people it sounds fantastic when i'm listening to it but then i go home and i yeah. try to draw a boundary which was like many years ago i tried to draw a boundary <laughs> and it was 
they looked at me like i had you know i don't know what scene coming out of my head like tum kya but i think they can be uh, i i i've gone through both things like i had no boundaries and then i tried to draw boundaries and then i and i'm still told by my uh, relatives who are in mental health field is like you need to do more boundaries but i feel like now i'm at a balance where i can have some boundaries and then there are some places where i'm like geet that i don't want to have these boundaries hey i have boundaries certain yeah. boundaries but i stick up for my boundaries and they're very specific it's it's mm-hmm. very specific there is a certain place where you just do not cross the line and they respect that but that's the only boundary that they'll respect khair this is not it, i'm not i'm not talking about myself i'm talking about other people also yeah. feel mm-hmm. that they have a big problem drawing boundaries and making therapy work for them because if you can't in essence draw a boundary what are we having this conversation for you know like like they go back to the therapist and the therapist says well did you draw the boundary no well no let's, <laughs> let's talk about why you didn't draw the boundary for the next hour you know yeah so this yeah. is a futile attempt at therapy here i'm not getting anywhere to solve my issues so i'm sorry go ahead jahara yeah no you're absolutely right this is one of um the most common things that i've heard is this gap that exists between white practitioners working with brown families or yes. white practitioners working with brown kids right there's so many things that are different culturally that there's a huge lacking in cultural understanding um that they cannot understand hamare culture mein someone who's 30 40 living with their parents is completely different than someone in america who's 30 and living in their parents basement acceptable So you have the best of both cultures. <laughs> I mean I did. Yeah. I lived with my parents well into my 30s and you know my white friends didn't get it. And some of my brown friends didn't get it. They were just like what are you doing? I mean you know because they're so ABCD they're like why are you still living with your parents you weirdo? <laughs> like I don't, I don't live here long enough to not live with my parents. I'm always out. But it's good. It's good. I think uh go ahead. Nay no, go ahead. Sorry. a concept that came to my mind when uh, you you were mentioning that was there's this concept in family therapy called differentiation um have you heard of it before differentiation no, no. so no. in a family you are both you both grow when you are connected with the clan and you are differentiated so differentiation is you having uh understanding with the sense that oh i don't have a symbiotic relationship with my so we're not connected with the umbilical cord main different hu umbilical cord se mere thoughts different hai mere needs different hai mere values different wo jo process hota hai where that umbilical cord ki breakage aap keh le ya where a person is understanding their own needs is called differentiation in family therapy in a brown context i think now this is just my personal professional opinion is there's no research on this that process of differentiation happens much it's very much developmentally delayed in our communities we growing up with the thoughts and opinions of our parents because they're providing a roof over our head we have the same political affiliations that our parents do we have the same views on religion that our parents do 
we don't begin to question things till a much later stage where we're like acha and then when we question them a lot of people that i work with have a lot of inherent guilt uh that there's um, you know like your relationship with religion changes over time your relationship with politics changes and you don't really know if you're on the right path hamesha wo jo purani parent ki awaaz hai wo hi theek awaaz lagti hai even though you've grown as a person um so i think a concept of boundaries living in brown cultures again back to the you know 30 40 year olds living in their parents basement brown culture is very different than you know white culture and white psychology and things on like simply like how you mentioned you know amna uh, and the boundary setting is very different white prem ho gaye mom please don't close the door i don't like that it hurt, hurts me you can't freaking do that in a brown family no 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 <laughs> okay ki aao main tumhe मैं तो मैं बताऊं जरा दरवाजा बंद कर दिखा मैं बताती हूं दरवाजा दरवाजा बंद क्यों है क्या कर रही हो तुम क्या कर रही हो दरवाजा बंद करके हां ये तो ये डिफरेंस है ना और ये इसमें है कि देयर इज नॉट एनफ ट्रेनिंग उनकी अंडरस्टैंडिंग नहीं होती माय आई हैव माय रिलेटिव्स एंड माय सिस्टर एंड शी वाज वर्किंग विद अ वाइट थेरेपिस्ट शी सेड मुझे लगता है कि समझती नहीं है मेरी बात इसको नहीं समझ आ रहा कि ये चीजें आप नहीं कह सकते या कर सकते I think there is a massive need for understanding how boundaries can be made in brown households but i am a crazy optimistaholic and i really believe that it can be done and it has been done yeah, but the be. ways are different uh one of the ways that i think comes to me my mind through observation is the use of humor i have seen humor being used to create healthy si boundaries are getting in my personal life and when i have seen people in gatherings ke wo hasi mazak kehte ke ye na kare ya ye karna ye wo i have seen that work very well sometimes in desi communities i have seen um there's another thing that was coming to my mind yes a difference with desi boundary setting and valetti boundary setting is also ke aapko bada uh, more obvious hona hota in that boundary setting for i so i've lived both for a short period of time in the us and in pakistan us mein aap thoda sa karo log samajh jate hain ki acha main uncomfortable ho gayi pakistan aapko ko uncha hai main uncomfortable ho gayi aapko bahut pronounce karni padti hai राइट right? आप समझो ये बात थोड़ा सा ना हमारे लोगों को सटलती आई थिंक इतनी समझ नहीं आती तो वो मेरे थोड़ी सी आपको सटलती थोड़ी सी मुंह पे बतानी होती है yeah. <laughs> so जैसे मेरी बेटी कहती है ना मेरी बेटी कहती है माम यू गाइस यू एंड योर फ्रेंड्स यू टॉक वेरी लाउड एंड यू नो वाइट हाउस होल्ड इट्स नॉट एट ऑल लाइक दैट and say pass kar do agar unko subtlety to samajh hi nahi aati na nahi mujhe mujhe lagta hai ki dono cheeze sahi hai like i feel like subtlety i here's the thing boundary setting for me the experience was ke i had to do it in both ways sometimes i needed to be quite in your face about it ke nahi ye nahi hoga and not ke i have to be rude or anything just like put my foot down and say i'm not listening to this so the boundary is set right that mm-hmm. was one way and the other way was yes many a times in joking aaram aaram se kuch aapne bol diya to wo unhone samajh liya and i said stuff here it's like a work in progress like you get there eventually it's not going to happen like ha maine darwaza band kar diya aur aap samajh gaye wo darwaza khol ke andar aa jate hain wo kehte hain kya matlab hai tumhara yaar main jab 14 saal ki thi na i had a childhood uh, thing when i went through therapy probably not even therapy yet it was not therapy yet some movie ya kuch maine dekha hoga ki when you have unresolved issues write about it and it will come out of your to main likhti thi journal dude my dad read that journal when i was 
I never wrote a journal again in my life. You know, those are the boundaries that they were never there. These are things that were so young before you even start to realize, like you just don't have your autonomy and this and how that eventually adds to, you know, childhood trauma. I mean, these but basically stripping you of your autonomy in totality. You know, do little things that lead to bigger things. Pir. So I kind of want to give, I kind of want to add, this is a huge telling of someone that your privacy is shit. <laughs> right? Matter nahi karti. And uh, this is not the first time I'm hearing a Desi parent reading someone's journal. This is not I have had many clients tell me that. I can think of a few right now. Um, and this is something where there's some sort of um, what I always pick from control and some sort of paranoia. Like I want to know kya ho hai. You know, mm. I don't know. Uh, I don't know but, but for lot, lots of people who are uh, brown people in the in the US also. Parents zada kaidafa brown ho jate hai bahir jaake bhi ya zada religious ho jate hai bahir shift karke bhi. There's a lot of like, oh, mare bachche zada western to nahi ho gaye, grace to nahi ban gayi ya kya. This is some of the things that you know, you see and you hear and you work with. Or like, oh, I want to know what direction you're going in. There's a lot of control and I think it's hard for a lot of brown families and, and cultures to see children as their own beings, right? Because they see the umbilical cord I'm constantly seeing you as an extension of myself. Kind of ties in with our ideas of izzat and our ideas of respect and keeping the izzat of the family. How especially patriarchically the women, you know, are supposed to hold that. But is even with children. It's like, oh, you're holding the, you are the, you are holding the respect of your whole whole family, right? So I want to make sure I keep, you know, as your mom checking in on you, okay, are you sure that you are stepping on the, I don't know, the Chennai family's respect or whatever, just as an example. Okay? Yeah. Are you one of us? Hamare culture, mein, I think even with low, kya kahenge, there's a lot of fear of in-group, out-group. Ye in-group hai. This is a set of people who are accepted in society. Ye out-group hai. Just mein aapka, whether that's uh, LGBTQ aajate hai, feminists aajate hai. Uh, atheist, agnostics, even you're not one of us. This is not us. Um, so, yeah, I think we're very afraid of, of losing our sense of community. Historically, I can also see because we come from collectivistic cultures where community was dead ass important, right? You survive because there's a sense of community. If you look at Sociologically, our society is growing. So I think perhaps there's also like this fear uh, intergenerationally coming of you have to be in the in-group. I mean, in all Desi households, there's a sofa that no one's allowed to sit on. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, I want to say something. Uh, you're, you're spot on. First of all, I want to say... It's you're amazing, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I want to say, where have you where have you been all my life? You were probably not even you were probably you were not even born when I was facing <laughs> these issues. Uh, but you know, a simple thing. It's not even anything. I've always had a huge smile, and I've always had a big laugh, and I was always by my sisters and my mother. It was always a no no thing. Hasnani. Mm. Exactly. It was always like arrange marriage. Please do not tell me 
کہ میں مسکرا کیسے رہی اور وہ فاسٹ فارورڈ ہے میرا نکاح ہو رہا تھا تو میری کزن میرے پاس آئی اور کہتی خالہ جان کہہ رہی ہیں ذرا کم مسکراؤٹی یہ بہت بڑی چیز ہے بیکاز آپ کسی کو کہہ رہے ہو کہ تمہارا جینا میں نے حرام کیا ہوا ہے جب تک ایک ایک چیز آپ چھوٹی چھوٹی اور یہ اسپیشلی ود ویمن یہ جو پولیسنگ ہوتی ہے ایون ود آئی تھنک اف آئی ٹاک اباؤٹ لائک مائی مام اینڈ تھنگس ایٹ شی کین گرو اپ ود ایون وین ہر فرینڈس ویمن وڈ گیٹ میرڈ یو آر ناٹ الاؤ ایون اف یو آر ہیونگ سیکس یو آر ناٹ الاؤ ٹو شو کہ آپ کو سیکسول پلیجر فیل ہو رہا ہے یو ہیڈ ٹو بی لائک نہیں all of those things because they were conceived as that's a good woman because nobody i don't know what words i'm supposed to use on the podcast i'm trying to um you're not supposed to be a, a bad woman is the nicest word i can use right um because bad women are in touch with their sexual needs ya uncha hasti ya ye is an urdu word ghair muhazzab cheez hai itna uncha hasna ye common cheeze hain aur ye bahut controlling cheeze hain yeah mm. yeah it's not cultured مطلب میں میری بھی ڈریس سینس ٹھیک ہے میں اونچا ہستی تو خیر شاید تھی میں لیکن دانت وات یہ وہ منہ پہ نا بارہ بجے ہوئے ہوتے تھے آل دا ٹائم کالا دھاگا پہنتی تھی اور یہ وہ تو پیپل یو لک لائک یو ریئلی فارورڈ لائک بڑی چالو عورت لگ رہی ہو تم بھائی تمہیں کیسے پتا ہیئر <laughs> because one day because she would like straighten the shit out of it yeah. and comb the shit out of it because curly hair ka itni like it's like an embarrassing thing just na hamara gora complex hai na ki aap kale nahi lagne chahiye usko chitte karo i mean there is no desi mother who hasn't put some put something on a child's face bachpan mein to make them feel ki ye zyada gora hoga ya tumhare baal kam niklenge is se or whatever that yes. stuff is yes but um even with hair and i i, I don't know why this is reminding me of suddenly or in, on another tangent my grandmother had curly hair and my mother has curly hair and my mother straightens them till they are you know i'm like mother your hair are burning stop straightening your hair and nee 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 she she doesn't have the acceptance of curly hair ab uske andar yesterday i was thinking that there is no in our culture uh, especially speaking of pakistan 
सीधे बाल बड़ी आंखें पतला नाक शाइनेस देर इज अर्टन एक एक लाइक दिस आर्मी टाइप ऑफ ये एक है स्टैंडर्ड ये दिस इज ब्यूटिफुल और दिस इज एक्सेप्टेबल एंड एवरी वन एल्स इज ओके एक सीधे बाल हैं उसकी बड़ी आंखें हैं लड़की मुस्कुराती कम है ऑल ऑफ दैट आप अपनी दादी की बात कर रहे हैं आपको पता कि मेरी हमारी चौदह साल की उम्र से स्टार्टेड टू फर्म आर हेयर वी वॉन्टेड करल्सो अ ब्राउन और देसी और साउथ एशियन फनामना दैट वट एवर यू हैव इज नॉट गुड इनफ यू कैर आई है आपने क्वेश्चन निकाला था ये जो आप बार बार कह रही थी एंड आई थिंक अब तो फोर्टी फाइव मिनट्स हो गए हैं तो शायद हम um wrap up kare with this last question that is focused on what do you as a therapist find I- i'm now go ahead and read the question i'm sorry yeah so uh, one of our listeners uh, asked this question considering that a lot of psychiatric and psychological studies are conducted in western countries what conditions sim- symptoms that affect south asian women are often misunderstood or even overlooked a big one um i think one thing that kind of comes to my mind with that is ke um depression um uh, so a little bit on what i know is sometimes different in brown communities than it is in white communities uh, uh do you guys understand punjabi yes, yes. yeah i'm not other than i do yeah. a little go ahead so even things like i think hamare culture mein tracky roti nahi khadi you know things like oh you know pareshan baithi hui hai ye tana even hamare um, i think somatic pains ka jo hai na um, manifestation that is more than uh, what sometimes what i have seen this is just my personal experience in in uh, us settings hamare somatic pains bahut hoti the other thing that's really actually good is ki hamare logon ko uski understanding bhi hai because uh, ye jo pura hai na mindfulness and understanding the body and trauma in the west it's something like maybe like a 10 year old concept in the east people are very much telling you ke ye inattention si to bas ke sar mein dard dungi ya kisko apne mie ki fikr lagi hui thi or i have heard uh, so many narratives on understanding the relationship between body mind and spirit and mental health way more than actually um, i have 
had these conversations with matlab mental health practitioners in the in the us and for um, but too, right yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, i feel like it predates also, american um connections i feel like it predates it like it was even <clears throat> my grandmother saying it too i remember her saying things like that yeah yeah and hysterical conversion when i was a medical student in um lahore um we saw so much hysterical conversion and then i came to us and you never see it yeah because, and in pakistan jab mai sindh mein kaam kar rahi thi na then a lot of people in the middle of the floods a lot of them had life, lost their livelihoods and their homes and stuff the floods mein bhi bahut zyada tha prevalent like they would come up with um, psychosomatic they would come up with physical yeah. um yeah. ailments and when yeah. you di- try to diagnose it there is no diagnosis there's no medical diagnosis so then it's like oh i mm. give them antidepressants and they recognize yes. too, a lot of them even in the gaon level they recognize ke ha shayad hum hum kaam nahi kar rahe to is wajah se shayad hame kal pata nahi ho raha ki kya ho raha hai to ab sar mein dard nahi ja raha peeth mein dard ho gayi hai you know yes yeah. yes there was so my uh, my grandmother passed away a year or two after my grandfather passed away there's different medical reasons to that she was an old lady she had also but one of the ones that i think i kept hearing was ke ye inke dukh mein deteriorate hui hai बॉडी आपकी नानी का जो दुख था ना नाना के फौत होने का दैट कैन ऑफ केम ओवर हर एंड दैट इज आल्सो अ बिग पार्ट ऑफ एंड वाज एब्सोल्युटली ट्रू शी स्ट्रगल्ड विद हर मेंट शी वाज ग्रीविंग अ लॉट इन द लास्ट ईयर um and of course mental health ka immunity pe farak padta hai immunity ka mental health pe farak padta hai there are many things that are affected uh we have people in chronic pain you know people are going through other issues but i think to kind of sum it up i have seen personally that in brown cultures certain presentations of mental health can manifest as physical things so if if there's anyone who is a practitioner or social worker or nurse doctor who's listening to this do not take their concerns like don't just um push them aside and yeah, try to probe further send them to trauma informed therapists and care aur us cheez ko na kare because medically aapko kuch galat nahi nazar aata non epileptic seizures ho rahe hain samajh nahi aa raha my supervisor actually is um a doctor in um so he's not a medical he's a he works in a hospital strong hospital in rochester his name's bill watson he works with people who have non epileptic seizures and men unke sath training bhi ki thi i used to shadow his work too so understanding ke aap soche basically doing emotional work se logon ke seizures ruk gaye the theek hai so there's a lot of things jo hame psychologically trapped wounds ki wajah se physically manifest ho rahi hoti जहा who was logging in from Lahore Pakistan 
despite load shedding, a choppy internet connection because she had to connect to the mobile and, you know, despite the time difference, was able to come in and meet with us on her day off. And um, we were able to have this session with her. I have to acknowledge that she is doing very important work trying to help people work through complex traumas like domestic and child abuse and sexual violence amongst I'm sure many other things. Despite her busy schedule, she took the time out for our listeners and we highly appreciate that. We hope to have her back on the show again to go deeper in depth and to help guide our listeners. As someone who's been in and out of therapy multiple times in life, I have to say it's really hard to find the proper fit, whether it's a cultural disparity or whether it's the thinking or whether it's someone that you connect with or whether it's their ethics. It was a breath of fresh air to speak to someone like Jahara, who seems to contain all of the things that in a perfect world I would have chosen as my therapist. So thank you, Jahara. And we hope to see you back again soon. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host, Geet, signing off. Until next time.